Cummins announced some major steps it's taking on the path to zero emissions last month, topping our list of February's top stories on truckinginfo.com. I'm heavy duty trucking managing editor Vesla Brykovich with editor in chief Deborah Lockridge. And on this episode of HTE Talks Trucking, we're going to give you some insights and updates on the most popular news from the past month. This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. And before we get into our top news, a reminder to follow us on your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to HTT Talks Trucking so you don't miss an episode. Deborah, one of the biggest topics of February were actually several announcements from Cummins, all relating to work on engines and zero emission drivetrains that will help cut carbon emissions. What have they been up to? Well, yeah, Vesna, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think back to when truck makers started really integrating their own powertrains, and some people wondered if Cummins would make it. But with the push to zero emissions, the company has really established itself as a major player, uh, at either putting together regular internal combustion engines uh, for some truck makers that are trying to get out of the internal combustion engine business and do only electric, but also working on its own engines and electric powertrains, alternative fuels. And so the big news in February was that Cummins is buying Meritor, and that's going to help it accelerate its electrification's development. Cummins said it believes that e-axles are going to be a key point of integration for hybrid and electric vehicles, and Meritor already has e-axles commercially available with its 14XE. Uh, Cummins said the $3.7 billion deal will position the company as one of the few able to provide integrated powertrain solutions, both for internal combustion and electric powertrains. And not long after that announcement, Cummins and internal combustion engines were again in the news as Cummins announced that it is going to create a line of engines that share 80% commonality, but each run on a different alternative fuel. Um, saying that, quote, getting to zero is not a light switch event. Cummins officials said they're going to build on the company's B, L, and X series engine portfolios for medium and heavy duty trucks. And they're going to create versions that operate on fuels such as gasoline, natural gas, propane, and hydrogen, depending on the model. And you said a hydrogen version is included? Yeah, that was really uh, one of the most interesting parts. I thought, um, I guess maybe it shouldn't be surprising, uh, given Cummins' involvement in developing green hydrogen production, um, sort of on the production and the energy end of their business. Um, until recently, honestly, I had thought of hydrogen only in terms of fuel cells. But in fact, as we saw in one of our top stories last month, uh, Warner Enterprise is going to be testing that engine later this year in its fleet, as well as uh, a natural gas version. And then I know Cummins also made headlines with another big acquisition announced last month, which was Jacobs Vehicle Systems. How does that play into that overall strategy? Yeah, yeah. Well, those of us who've been in the industry a while tend to think of Jake Breaks when we think of Jacobs. In recent years, it's really branched out well beyond that. Uh, we've done stories about its cylinder deactivation technology. It's got start and stop and thermal management technologies. Uh, and all of those are going to help with meeting uh, emissions regulations and uh, future powertrain development. Sure. So our next story in our roundup from February is still an ongoing and very much on everyone's mind, and that's Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Right after the news broke, we ran an article about likely effects for our audience, which we'll continue to monitor and report on. Um, but Deborah, what do we know so far about how this might impact fleets in the U.S.? 
Yeah, obviously, that's a situation that's changing daily. But so far, it looks like some of the biggest concerns are higher fuel prices, uh, cyber attacks, and more disruptions to our global supply chains. Uh, one of the sanctions that we have not seen the West issue on Russia has been keeping it from exporting crude oil. Uh, that basically would kind of hurt the rest of the world as much as it would hurt Russia. Uh, Russia is the second largest producer of oil in the world. And there are also concerns that bombing and rockets could damage some of the pipelines that run through Ukraine, taking oil from Russia and natural gas from Russia into Western Europe. Uh, also thoughts, uh, Western oil companies may decide that doing business with Russia is not worth the risks. And a lot those concerns are all driving up prices for crude oil's futures. And those prices later then affect the, the price of gasoline and the price of diesel fuel. And so oil prices topped $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014. Um, as of the Monday after the invasion, it did not look like it was significantly affecting diesel prices yet. Retail prices for diesel, which have been rising anyway the past year, were up about half a cent a gallon uh, compared to increases we've been seeing for weeks and months. It's fairly similar, but it's maybe just too early to be seeing that effect, and we'll certainly be reporting on that. Um, that's probably the impact most likely to have a direct effect on trucking here, but there's a lot of concerns that the war could create ripples in the global supply chain, which we all know is still dealing with problems from the pandemic and a huge surge in consumer demand there. Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that shakes out. Cybersecurity is another supply chain concern. Uh, Russia used cyber attacks to cause chaos in Ukraine before Putin even launched his military attack. Um, so back at home, Vesna, a story that always gets a lot of attention every year was third on our list. Yeah, that's right. And fleet managers always want to know uh, when the three-day safety blitz put on by the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance is going to happen. So this year, CVSA's International Road Check will run from May 17th through the 19th. And like every year, there's always a special inspection focus, and that focus this year will be wheel-end wheel violations. And so a little background, those violations involving wheel-end components historically account for about a quarter of the vehicle service out-of-service um, out violations discovered during road check. And past road check data routinely showed wheel-end components as one of the top 10 vehicle violations, which, you know, it makes sense why it was selected this year as a focus. As road check gets closer, watch truckinginfo.com and our social media feeds for more information on how to keep those wheel ends in shape. Vesna, our fourth story ties back into that top story because it's about electrification. So the Biden administration is making nearly $5 billion available to states to start building out a national electric vehicle charging network. President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law established something called the National electric vehicle infrastructure formula program to build out that network. So that program will provide the nearly $5 billion over five years to help states create a network of EV charging stations along designated alternative fuel corridors, especially along the interstate highway system. And so will those charging stations also accommodate trucks? And that wasn't immediately clear. It seems that trucks may be viewed as something to accommodate in a future phase because the guidelines do specifically say that the station's design should consider the potential for future expansions needed to support the electrification and charging demands of medium and heavy duty trucks, including station size and power levels. So Deborah, fill us in on our number five story for February. 
That's right. Yeah. So the number five story was another acquisition related story that involved ZF, if you're German, or ZF, I guess, if you're English, uh, <laughs> completion of its integration of Webco, which it bought in 2019. So ZF had already integrated Webco and had sort of changed that name and called it the Commercial Vehicle Control Systems Division. But now the German company has decided to go ahead and combine that division with its existing commercial vehicle technology division. And so along with that move, um, ZF is going to start making anti-lock braking systems and electronic braking systems in the U.S. instead of importing them from European plants as it has been. A uh, company said it has sign invested significantly in its first brake production line at its manufacturing facility in South Carolina. Uh, there, it's also going to make ZF's new intelligent ABS for trailers, named IABS. This was actually first announced under the Webco name back in late 2019. And in addition to optimizing trailer control during emergency braking, IABS combines with additional sensors, more sensors on the trucks and trailers these days every time we turn around. And so it integrates, combines with those sensors to become sort of the brain of the trailer. And so far, more than 12,000 U.S. trailers have been equipped with IABS, and uh, ZF's working on a, a more advanced version that it's also going to be introducing, I believe it's later this year. That's it for our roundup of the top stories of February on truckinginfo.com. We'll be back in a month with another top news story update. You can find HDT Talks Trucking on our website, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platforms. Follow us so you don't miss an episode.